The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and doctor of internal medicine, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health is a local call and health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-890-9783. News Radio 680 WPTF, this is Heart Health. I'm Dave Alexander, and here is Dr. Franklin Weefall. show on the road. Yeah. And I think I've got a lot of things we can talk about. Well, I love it. It's a call-in show, and we'll be able to get uh, questions right from people who are listening and get right to the point. We were a little – I was a little concerned when I got the call about the show because I didn't know whether we would be able to sustain over the long period of time a cardiology show. You've you've convinced me. No, that's no longer anything to be concerned about because you can talk about cardiology every day of the week. Well, and you know, cardiology—the thing that I have uh, experienced over thirty years of practicing—is that everything affects the heart. Everything about the body uh, can have an effect on cardiac health. And everything that affects uh, the heart and your heart health will affect the rest of your body, too. So I think a lot of people don't realize that before you can become board certified in a cardiologist, as a cardiologist, you have to be board certified as, a, as an internal medicine specialist, which is basically three years of training about the rest of the body. And unlike everything else in medicine, the word internal medicine really makes sense yeah. to a layman. Internal medicine is everything inside the body? Yes. Well, that's pretty much most of it, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, most internal medicine specialists do what that's called primary care. Yeah. They used to be specialists. So back in the day when my uh, grandfather was around, uh, there was something called a GP or a general practitioner. Yep. Yep. And they were great. Um, If you look at uh, how a GP would function um, in the community. He would take care of all the problems, delivering babies, sure, setting fractures. Yep. Well, an internal medicine specialist was someone that a GP would refer to and ask about heart failure, ask right. about stroke, ask right. about how to take care of somebody with gastrointestinal problems. Well, as more knowledge became uh, available, then an internist would subspecialize in GI or in cardiology or in pulmonology. Yeah. And I think what's happened today is you see even more subspecialty, subspecialization within the subspecialties. So you have some cardiologists who only do pacemakers or who only do defibrillators. Sure. And they don't uh, generally want to take care of patients with other types of problems. But when you look at one of the confounding factors of, say, coronary artery disease or heart attacks, it's diabetes. And right. so – now, cardiologists are among the first people to be aware of the medicines that treat diabetes that also lower the risk of heart disease. You're uh, willing, you're willing on this show to talk about it all, soup to Everything. nuts. If somebody wants to call in about any medical question, I generally will have a, a good set of knowledge about it. If I don't know, I'm going to tell you I don't yeah. know. And you also mentioned to me that 
if somebody's got a medicine that they're taking, if they're taking a medicine, they, they've forgotten why they're taking it. That'd be a great idea to call in. Call in. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Call the number, and Dr. Weefold will talk to you about whatever it is that you've You've got on your mind today. Absolutely. Let's let's get your resume out there. What's your story? Well, I was born in Washington D.C. to a Chinese mom and mm-hmm. a Norwegian dad, and grew up went to public school, and then I went to Princeton for undergrad, did biochemistry, and yeah. went to medical school at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Right. And then I did my internal medicine residency there, and then I went to Duke. Yeah. In Durham, and heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, you've heard Are they a good school? Well, yeah, you know. All right. I'm still not a Blue Devils fan. I don't know about you. But, really? Uh, you oh, know. Don't, 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 I don't want uh, I don't know how many listeners people. out there are. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I don't hate Duke. I'm just, just not a big Duke fan. I just don't want half the audience to turn off the... Well, I will say this. Zion yeah. Yeah. is amazing. Did you amazing. see him last night? Uncanny. <laughs> just, you know something, if they had dropped somebody down, you know, it's like a... It's like a major league pitcher being dropped down to the minors, right? And he's healthy, and he's playing. You know, he's playing. He's just a class above. Jordan from Hardin County, thank you very much uh, for calling in. You're on with Doctor Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hey guys, hey. Um, the CBS News at the top of the hour <laughs> they had a report about um, a new way for aortic heart valve surgery to be done. Can you guys talk anything on that? He can. Well, listen, that was really funny because we were listening to the to, the news feed, and it was something that I was going to talk about today anyway because it's in the news. Um, right. TAVR, it's transcutaneous aortic valve replacement. And what does that mean? When somebody's aortic valve, which is the valve that controls the flow of blood out of the heart to the rest of your body, well, when it gets stuck together, either – because you've had a previous infection or you've yeah. had rheumatic fever, the three leaflets will fuse together. And when that happens, the heart has to really strain to get the blood out of the heart to the rest of the body. So what are your symptoms? You're short of breath. Because the heart is not pumping enough blood flow, you stand up, you get dizzy. Because the heart's under such strain, you can yeah. get angina, chest discomfort. Well, it's fairly simple today to diagnose it, and it involves just listening to the heart valve. You listen in the right upper sternum, and you'll hear a whooshing noise. Yeah. Anyway, an echocardiogram, yeah. which is an ultrasound picture of the heart, will pick it up because it'll see the leaflets in real time not opening, but with the color Doppler, we can actually map how turbulent the flow is. Well, after that, you get what's called a cardiac catheterization. You can find out how the rest of the heart's doing. Right. And in the olden days, which was just, say, a year ago, yeah, that's yeah. how quickly things are oh, advancing. The olden days were a year ago. Um, what you'd have to do is go see a surgeon, yep. and the cardiac surgeon would open your chest while you're asleep. He'd take your blood out of your body, run it through a machine that would oxygenate it and get all the bad stuff out, the carbon dioxide, and then put it back in your body and stop your heart. Open up the aorta, take out the old valve, sew in a new valve, and and they're either mechanical, made out of metal and plastic, 
or they were made out of uh, cow tissue, pig yeah. tissue. Yeah. Sew them back in, close you up, restart the heart. And it was a good operation. I mean, people would do very well. In mechanical valves, you had to be on an anticoagulant like warfarin. Yeah. Um, pig valves or cow valves, generally an anticoagulant for a short period of time. Uh, and then you could just go in an aspirin. Well, everything that we can do by cutting you open, people have been trying to do by just non-invasively uh, going through a tube. So remember, your gallbladder. Did you ever see grandmother with a gallbladder scar? It was yeah. halfway across the Yes, it was. Oven. Yes. Yes. Now I they never saw it. my grandmother in that that intimately, but yes. Uh, well, no, my mother had one, and she yeah. was eager okay. to show people her oh. scar. Okay. But anyway, so back in the old day, we did bypass surgery, and we still do it. A lot of people still need it. But if you had a cholesterol blockage in the artery that fed blood to your heart, you'd have a vein sewed around the blockage to bypass the blood flow. Now yeah. we can do, and we've been doing this since 1977, a stent or an angioplasty where we go up your leg through the artery that feeds right to your heart, yeah. under x-ray guidance, go straight to that artery, open up a balloon, and leave behind a soft metal tube called a stent that opens it up. Okay. So some brilliant people had an idea. Could we design a stent that when you opened it up across the aortic valve, took out the balloon, you'd leave behind a valve. And guess what? They did it. And multiple companies. Now, Edwards Life Sciences is the big one. Medtronic is the second one. They're both good valves. Um, one of these days, we're going to have Franny Wood, uh, Dr. Francis Wood from yeah. Duke, yeah. on the show to talk about how it's done specifically. She does it, and she does a wonderful job. I've sent her probably 15 or 20 patients. Yeah. Now, what they do is they'll... They have a combined operating room, cardiac cath lab, and in case something goes wrong. Yeah. None of my patients have anything go wrong. So they, they numb you up down in your groin. There's an artery called the femoral artery. They go in with a needle, thread a tube through that needle up into the area in the aorta above the valve. They pass a wire across that tiny hole, push the balloon, and wrapped around the balloon is an ingenious valve that is flat against the uh, the circular structure. And then they make the heartbeat very fast, right. open the balloon, take out the balloon, and the valve's in place. And basically, people say, what happens to the original valve? It gets crushed to the side, and then the valve operates. Now, okay. the great thing about this is all you're left with is a repair of the artery in the leg. Your chest is not cut open. You're not on a heart-lung bypass machine. Right. You get up in about six to eight hours, and yeah. you're home usually in a day or two, and the valve's working right away. Okay. Now, you have to be on some blood thinners for the first period of time, but your life is restored almost immediately, and it's a fantastic um, uh, outcome. Now, the big news that's breaking is that the trials that were originally done were in very sick people who could not have surgery right. because surgery was a gold standard. And so after accumulating that amount of experience with sick people and finding out they did just as well as people with surgery, yes. they've now done a very large study on people who are not high risk. And the question is, will they do better with this TAVR or will they do better with surgery? And it came out in favor of the TAVR. Okay. So I think it's going to really revolutionize how we approach this for everyone. You're hearing from Dr. Franklin Weefold, who is... 
halfway through his resume, and then we got you know we just sidetracked. But hey, that's what's more right, important: you know, the collars never, or the right. resume. Do you do surgery now? No, I don't. Okay. Um, I did. A you did lot. for a long for yeah, a long time. Yeah, I okay. was. Um, I was uh, somebody who did cardiac catheterizations and pacemakers. I did transesophageal echoes. Okay. We, we need to take a break, right. and then we're on the other side, we're going to talk more about your history. Hopefully, we hear from you at 919-860-9783. Everybody's got a story and a question. 919-860-9783. And on the other side, we're going to fill in the blanks on this question. Women. Call the ambulance for blank, but not for blank. There are circumstances in which women will not call the ambulance, apparently, apparently. from a statistical basis. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm Dave Alexander, Dr. Franklin Weefald, on the radio on Heart Health and News Radio 680 WPTF. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on News Radio 680 WPTF. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. If you never want to hear Dr. Weefald finish his resume on the radio, you could just call up and we'll just get, kick it to the maybe into the third show. We'll do it. Okay. All right. Women call the ambulance for blank but not blank. Who do you who, what do you think of the I would say this, and not being a sexist, I think it's it's a lot of people besides women. Yeah. The women will call it for their husband, yeah. but not for themselves. Yep. Husbands and nephews and sons but not for themselves this was from oh my gosh glasses put uh, your glasses on the polish registry of acute coronary syndromes whose journal keeps getting left on my porch and underneath the bush how does that I, happen i tell him put it in the mailbox but he never does oh my god it's like a 45 percent thing that they yeah. you know they'll they'll call on somebody else but Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I also find that in Southern gentlemen. Okay, yes. I have, in my practice in Smithfield, I see quite a few Southern gentlemen, and most of the time, when they come yeah. in by themselves, yeah, the answer is I'm fine. Yes, they are. Yeah, they're fine. There's no problem. I'm just getting old. And then when they come in with their wife, their wife will be shaking their head behind them, and you find <laughs> out they can't walk but to the mailbox they can't yep. do anything without having crushing discomfort in their chest and then they get fixed and then they they, they come back and they say yeah. i didn't realize i was supposed to feel that good so i find that a lot not just yeah. in women but also in men isn't it the kind of thing where a lot of cardiology heart problems gradually overtake you that i mean i'm supposed to worry about cholesterol right okay accumulating that's not something that accumulates in a year. Oh, no. Long no. time. The time to start worrying about your cholesterol is when you're in your 20s and 30s. No really? Doubt. Oh, yeah. Because if there was a great study, uh, World War II uh, victims, uh, I hate to call them victims, soldiers who died. Yeah. They already had the start of cholesterol buildup in their arteries at age 18 and 19. So that's really yes. when it gets started. Um, and really nobody is that – is is free of risk no matter how old you are youngest heart attack patient i've had yeah 15 years old a heart attack oh yeah yeah oldest 106 so i've seen them from beginning to end and it's it's a combination of all sorts of risk factors genetics is a big part of it um but i think it's time 
to start worrying about your heart or actually not worrying about yeah. it, but doing something about it when you're young. Cholesterol itself. What is that? Uh, Cholesterol is something that's really important to our bodies. Our cells, uh, the linings or the membranes yeah. are made up of a cholesterol compound. So that's why we have it. And your liver produces almost all of the cholesterol in your body. Um, you absorb some, but mm-hmm. most of it is produced in your liver. That's why the number one medicine, the statin, way that works is it prevents the liver from manufacturing the amount of cholesterol that it, it makes for your body. Right. So you need it. But too much cholesterol uh, in some people, not everybody, right. will wind up stimulating growth of a plaque or a little tumor in the blood vessel, in the inner lining of the blood vessel, that can eventually block the flow of blood. Is that like a waxy substance on the inside? If you is look it at it, drywall, open it up, it looks like wax. Yeah, does it really? Putty. Um, it's a waxy substance, but your body doesn't like it in the arteries, so yeah. it seals it off. It puts what's called a fibrous cap over it. And then your own immune cells try to break it down. So your uh, white blood cells get in there. They can get inflamed. They can make it grow. Cholesterol can build up further. But the other thing that people don't realize, you make them go away too. And that's where I think the some of the biggest advances in cardiology in my experience uh, over the last 30 years has been in the regression, uh, the, get, the getting rid of these cholesterol blockages before they get to be a problem. Is it just medicine? I think you have to always approach something in a holistic view, okay? You have to exercise. You have to cut out the things in your diet that are going to contribute to obesity and to high levels of cholesterol. You have to take the medicines your doctor recommends to control your blood pressure. Yeah. Got to get your diabetes under control. And then you've got to get your cholesterol down as low as it can go. And I think that's something that I want to emphasize in the future is that you can't get your cholesterol level too low. It can You need to okay. get it as low as possible. I've seen people with <clears throat> bad cholesterol levels of 70, which is at target, have heart attacks. Yeah. And those people, they need to be lower. I've seen people with cholesterol levels of 150 who have clean arteries. So there's a wide range of what about cholesterol. This, what about this good cholesterol, bad cholesterol? Is that well, true? We were, we were really hype about that for a long time. Yeah. So the HDL or the good cholesterol seemed in some studies to be protective. So if you had a high HDL level, you didn't seem to have as much in the way of heart disease as somebody who didn't. It was thought the HDL took cholesterol out of the artery. The LDL brought it back in. Well, that was much too simplistic a view. Right. And Drug companies have spent billions of dollars trying to develop drugs to raise HDL. And unfortunately, they've been unsuccessful. All the studies so far have shown, yes, we can raise HDL. But no, it doesn't make a difference in whether someone's going to have a heart attack or need bypass surgery or need a stent. So HDL is sort of fallen by the wayside. Um, There are all sorts of other biomarkers or or things in the blood that we look for to see mm-hmm. if someone's at risk. We've studied all this, and they don't seem to make as much an effect as lowering the LDL. And so if you can get that down as low as possible, okay. you'll have the greatest chance not of having a cardiac event. All right. 
Where'd you go? Where'd you go to school? You went to Princeton, Princeton? for undergrad, yeah. uh, Johns Hopkins for medical school and yeah. internal medicine residency, and then Duke for my cardiology training. That was four years. Yeah. I did medical research. Um, I believe it or not, I was a molecular biologist. What does that mean? I studied genes in heart cells and published a few papers. I was going to go out to Arizona and be a professor, you know? Yeah. And so I went out there to look at the job, and my ex, uh, that day we were there, a woman went to sleep getting a suntan in 106-degree weather and died. So she said, forget, I'm not moving to Arizona. And out of the blue, I got a job offer in South Bend, Indiana, and I went and practiced cardiology there for nine years. I was team physician for Notre Dame football and for Notre Dame basketball, so that's one of the reasons I can't like Duke. You know, I'm a Notre Dame fan. We got a caller? Um, no, no, no. Oh, I, okay, I thought you were... I was nodding for something else. Okay. Dr. Franklin Weefold in the studio. We're talking about heart health. We'll talk about anything else you want to talk about with your life, with your health on this radio show. 876, um, sorry, 919 Nine seven eight three at uh, WPTF, and uh, we're, we're you know news is coming up in just a little bit. I want to talk to you about aspirin because okay. my doctor thinks that I'm supposed to take a a little baby aspirin. Well, I agree. You do. I agree. Now I had a conversation with somebody who's with some medic no, medical knowledge, and he says yes, you're supposed to take the baby aspirin. I say why can't I take a big boy aspirin, and do so much better. No. No? Yeah, and there's a medical reason for it. Yeah, why? The aspirin works in two ways. It works on these cells called platelets. These are the cells that that work with your clotting proteins to form blood clots. Okay. So if you cut yourself, it bleeds, and then it stops bleeding because your platelet cells combine with the proteins in your blood and form a clot. Okay. The way aspirin works is it suppresses the full function of a platelet, but there's a protective effect against clotting in the arteries that aspirin inhibits as well. So it's a two-pronged approach. You don't want to inhibit the arteries too much, but you want to inhibit the platelets. So it seems that if you take a large aspirin, 325 milligrams, right. you inhibit the arterial anti-clotting more, I mean, pro, yeah, pro-clotting than you uh, inhibit the platelet anti-clotting. So if you take an 81 milligram aspirin, you inhibit the platelets, yeah. but you don't inhibit the anti-clotting of the arteries. So it works. You know, I used to take for pain. I was the last guy in oh, yeah. America still taking aspirin for pain. Oh, yeah. I used to take about three times 350 milligrams. Oh, yeah. That's much? That's too much? Well, if you're taking aspirin for pain, it works fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. My doctor says, no, Dave, because yeah. that means bleeding with you. Right. So what I would do is take an 81 milligram aspirin because you've had a history of heart trouble. And if you have pain, try to take some Tylenol. Right. My patients always tell me, I want to take an Advil every now and then, but the yeah. recommendation is not to. Eh, anything in moderation. If you have a headache and, and you have a heart problem and you're on aspirin and you take two Advil, you're not going to kill yourself. Yeah. But I wouldn't do it every day okay. because there might be some interference between the action of the Advil and the action of the aspirin on your platelets. Okay. The 
the phone is blowing up. Well, let's I've take got, a call. Well, I've got – well, here's the thing. Uh-huh. I've got three callers and one minute. There's no way we'll fit all three callers Unless in. Unless you one caller. Shorty in Selma. Shorty, there's, it's unlikely that we'll get through this phone call. But we'll, we'll finish your Shorty, go ahead. Me. Shorty, welcome to the program with Dr. Franklin Weefault. Hey, Dr. Hey. Hey. Hey, it's Shorty. Who is it? Shorty. 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 Come on. It could it possibly be my it favorite short. I, I call her Shorty. You guys are doing a good job. Well, thank you. How are you, how are you feeling? I feel good today. Good. That's good. Good. Shorty. I just saw you in the office the other day, and you were looking pretty good. Shorty, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to hold on, uh, and Jane and Kathy, for that matter, also. Sure. We're back after the news, and we'll take your phone calls, 919-860-9783. Dr. Franklin Weefold, uh, this is called Heart Health on WPTF. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on News Radio 680 WPTF. And when we last spoke with Dr. Franklin Weefold, he was talking with, apparently, I'm guessing here, Shorty is a patient of yours? Shorty is a patient. Shorty, are you still there? Hi, Shorty. Welcome to, back to the show. How you doing? I think Shorty hung up. No, no, no. Shorty didn't hang up. Shorty, hello. Hi there. There hey. you go. Go ahead. Talk to us. Well, Shorty Shorty is um, one of my patients who yeah. I've taken care of is near to dear to me. And she has a fib, atrial fibrillation. Shorty, tell us how you felt when you first had this condition. All right. The lawyer wants me to say, the lawyer in me wants to say, Uh-oh. Shorty, yes, sir. do you waive all HIPAA rights? I'm assuming you called a call-in show to talk about things. That's a good so, idea. You know, did you waive your right to keep your medical stuff secret? Is it okay if we talk about you? Yes. Okay, go ahead. How'd you feel? When Tell you me how you in. felt when you first had this fibrillation, Shorty. I, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Tell me how you felt when you first got this atrial fibrillation. Uh, no, hardly any breath. Shortness of breath. No energy. Yeah. At all. Hardly. Yeah. You didn't really feel your heart racing fast, though, did you? No. Yeah, and so that, it was. That's I think the thing about people who have a fib, and what that is is the top two chambers of your heart, which are called the atria, yeah. are supposed to beat regularly, and that's where the electricity starts. In shorty, there were areas of the heart that were allowing the electricity to travel in a chaotic pattern, and it was going very fast, three hundred beats a minute on top, as opposed to sixty. And that carried down to the bottom part of her heart, so she was going 120, 130 beats a minute. And Shorty, tell us tell us what your experience was getting the definitive treatment to get this under control. Some of it was not pleasant, but some of it was. You know, yeah. uh, our testing that that you had done for me was in the office was really good, but when I went to wake, it was a little bit of a different story, but. <laughs> it came out well, you went really through, good. And you went through a tough procedure, didn't you? Yes, sir. Did you have some sort of pacemaker put in, some sort of electromechanical or whatever device? I have a pacemaker. You do? Right. So what happened to Shorty is they went and did an ablation, which I think is the definitive treatment now. And uh, uh, one of my partners, Pavlo Netrebko, who's from Kerry Cardiology, okay. he's an expert. And what they do is they'll go up the veins and the arteries of your leg. 
They'll map out where the electricity is going wrong, and it's usually in the veins of the left side of the heart that take blood in yeah. from the lungs. And then they basically burn the, the tissue around these veins to prevent the chaotic electricity, and it works. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you have to do it more than once. Now, in Shorty's case, her heart would pause, so the fibrillation went away, but – in the meantime, the electricity wasn't getting down to the bottom part of her heart fast enough. Yeah. So now she's got a pacemaker. Her atrial fibrillation is controlled, and she looks great. Of course, Shorty, you've always looked good, and now I think you feel pretty good too, don't you? you sure. You've got to get me well so I can go on my trip in April. Where are you going, Shorty? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. What's in Pennsylvania? The uh, love of Christ. Yes. All right, Shorty, take care of yourself. Oh, I will. He'll see to that. He'll see to that. All hey, right, thank you, Shorty. stop by and see me anytime, Shorty. All right. Okay, I will. Bye. Jane in Raleigh's been waiting a long time. Jane, thank you very right. much. How you doing? Hi, Jane. Sometimes I push the wrong button. Hello, Jane. Welcome to the show. You're on with Dr. Franklin Weefald. Okay. I'm putting you on hold and then picking you up again. Hi, Jane. Hi. I have a question about statins and muscle pain. Sure. Absolutely. How is it possible that statins would cause pain in one muscle but not every muscle? That is a good question. Um, And, you know, it's been my experience that statins can cause any type of discomfort. It could be the shoulder joint. Yeah. It could be the muscle of the arm. It could be a muscle in your leg. It can also be every single muscle in your body. And believe me, it feels terrible. Now, the good news about that is that it can, in most cases, be prevented. Unfortunately, there are some individuals, no matter what you do, they can't take a statin. And that's a shame. One of the things I'd like to, to emphasize, though, is we really don't know why statins cause muscle pain in certain individuals, but there is a vitamin. And I don't know, Jane, if, if you've experienced muscle pain, but did your doctor talk to you about CoQ10 as well? Uh, no. Okay. And I'm not going to – this is a good chance to introduce this concept. I'm not going to recommend anything to anybody except talk to your doctor. Amen. Now, I have been uh, using CoQ10 in those individuals who really need a statin but can't take it. And believe me, I do believe it, that it can cause terrible pains in muscles, joints, can even cause headaches, and there is even some evidence that can cause some memory problems. But for muscle pain in particular, there is a vitamin called CoQ10. You've probably seen it. There's an ad now with a pharmacist guy who takes CoQ10 with a statin. Okay. And I don't recommend that you spend a lot of money because there are expensive CoQ10s. But 100 milligrams twice a day, ask your doctor if that might help you. Um, what it does is replenish this vitamin that is essential for muscle Function And it appears that the statin in some small number of people might deplenish that vitamin in the uh, muscle and lead to these aches and in the joints, too. Right. I take a statin. I've not had that experience, but I have plenty of patients who have. Now, I would also like to say that there's a lot of bad publicity about statins out there for this reason. Um and, you know, Aunt Sue and Uncle Jim are going to tell you not to take it because, you know, their friend had bad muscle aches and it took them months to get over. Sure. Listen to your doctor. Listen to your own body. Now, they did a study because of all the, uh, you know, 
uh, common, quote-unquote, common knowledge about statins. So they did a study, and they gave – and it's kind of unethical to do today. But they gave a number of people a statin and told them it was a sugar pill, okay? And they gave a number of people a sugar pill, what we call a placebo, and told them it was a statin. Yes. Guess who had the most number of muscle aches? People who thought they were getting a statin. Right. Now, that doesn't mean it's in your head, Jane. It's not. It's in your legs. But the mere suggestion that the medicine's going to cause a problem in some people will make them have the problem. Now, the most important thing is listen to your doctor. If you need a statin, there are five different ones on the market, and there are two general types, the fat-soluble and the water-soluble. What does that mean? The fat-soluble ones are atorvastatin and simvastatin, Lipitor and Zocor. Okay. Great medicines have been shown to reduce death reduce the need for heart attack, I mean, the the incidence of heart attacks, reduce the need for surgery. They're absorbed in your body and held in your body in the fat tissue longer. They have a higher risk of side effects, of muscle aches, but the most important thing that people don't remember, it can hurt your liver too. The water-soluble ones are rosuvastatin, which is also Crestor, um, pravastatin, which is Pravacol, and Livolo, and right now, I think it's called Pativastatin. There's too many names to remember. They've got a medicine right. called Livolo? Livolo. It's good. I Did they it. ever figure out that maybe that was a sad kind of sounding thing? I don't thing? know. Living low. You're Liv- living with low cholesterol. Living with low. Okay. okay. All right. All right. But anyway, um, they are not absorbed in the fat tissue. They're excreted in the urine. Thanks for sharing um, that. And they have a general uh, pattern of fewer side effects, but doesn't mean I'm telling you what to take, but what you can always ask your doctor, is there an alternative? Is there a different statin I can try? Ask your doctor, if I have these muscle aches, can I go off my statin for a month, start CoQ10, and restart my statin? I've had that work a couple times too. But but don't let yeah. anybody tell you that statins are bad drugs. Now, can they cause liver failure? Yes, they can. And this is why if you're on a statin, Ask your doctor if you should have blood tests done every three to six months. They can measure, or we can measure, what are called the liver enzymes. Okay, this is SGOT, SGPT. They're just specific proteins that are excreted by the liver. If they go up, up, up in your bloodstream, that's an indication, if you're on a statin, that it might be causing irritation to your liver. And that's why it's monitored. And if it goes up a certain level, you need to come off the drug. Okay? It's a very real effect. Yeah. But listen, it's a rare effect. And if your doctor is a good doctor and 99.9% of the doctors out there are good doctors, they're going to know to monitor your blood, not just for whether it's working, yeah. but for the side effects of muscle injury and liver injury. Jane, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Well, I great. have taken... Crestor uh-huh. had this problem, okay. and I went off for three months, but my cholesterol went back up, uh-huh. so now I've been on, uh, I'm sorry, I started with Lipitor, now I've been on Crestor for about four years. But and is it better? problems are starting again. It's, it's, it's starting again? Yes. Okay, so that's okay. that's not unusual. And and so you were on the fat-soluble one, Lipitor. And yes, went, I was. And for four years now, on the water-soluble one, Crestor, you've been okay. So it might be a good idea for you. Don't go off your medicine. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to your doctor. Ask your doctor if there's some other thing they can do. 
Um, one of the things that I recommend to my patients is to go off the Crestor for a period of time and to try CoQ10. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jane, it might not work, but don't do anything until you've talked to your doctor about it. Jane, thank yes. you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. All righty. Take care. Now, this is sort of an ethical question in the radio yeah. realm. Uh, we have Kathy from Moore County who buy, you know, the telephone count how many minutes uh, somebody's been waiting. All right. Thank you. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Kathy's been holding. How you doing? Kathy's been holding since yesterday noontime. Kathy? Is there any chance I get I can get you to hold on for just a couple of minutes more? You and C. Kathy, can I just went the air and uh, I did have the surgery. I stand put in on my left leg because it was such a bad block on my right side. Kathy, can we ask you to just hold on for a little bit more? Would that be okay? And then we're going to get you. You'll be the last segment. Trust me. You'll be the. Li- you you just. You, all right. You just hold right here, Kathy from Moore County, who's going to come hunting me if I guess so. If we don't get her on the radio, she in sounds just a like moment. she's got a lot to say. Telephone number nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three is the telephone number to talk to Doctor Franklin Weefault, and we are talking about cardiac issues. Uh, issues of blood pressure and issues of cholesterol, but you know, you call us and we'll slide you ahead of Kathy, uh, next break. Also, statins, they work except in one case, in one circumstance. Dr. Weefall doesn't know the story I got. It's from a medical journal. They work, but sometimes there's just one circumstance where they don't. We'll fill in the blanks in just a moment, get the doctor's opinion. News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. Can you name that tune? You can. Huey Lewis from the News, that's the hint. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. We're giving away our age here. Huey Lewis and the News. My millennial kids don't know them. Dr. Franklin Weefall of millennia cardiovascular in near in smithfield yes we are the greatest town i would have thought you could have with your background you could have gotten a job in clayton or done well i had Irwin. a job offering carry oh you did yeah all right kathy in moore county we're taking you first before we talk about sure, anything else you. Hi, kathy. you're welcome i'm going to go to the other room because you're going to tell me what's going on with you sure uh-huh mm-hmm you're on the air, Kathy. Turn off the radio. Kathy, you're on the air. Turn on, turn down the radio. Never turn it fully off. <laughs> All right. Slow down, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay. I was diagnosed in Moore County with borderline uh, diabetic, right? Yeah. And borderline I, diabetes. Okay. Sure. I had I went my doctor three weeks ago in Pittsburgh, my UNC. Yes. And uh, my AC1 had never... Been better. And okay. They, they said I was misdiagnosed with borderline diabetic because I changed my diet and I got out instead of walk every day. Okay, that's good. No, but it makes a difference on me. You know, you got to change your diet. Okay, so somebody told you you really were misdiagnosed. Yes, sir. As borderline diabetes. 
Right. Okay. I just had my blood work last, you know, a couple weeks ago. Sure. And uh, that's what it was, because I just ate strawberries or, you know, something sweet and fine. And uh, that's what she had told me. Well, let me, Kathy, Kathy, let me ask uh, Dr. Weefald a a specific question that might help. Yeah. The A1C. Yeah. Am I correct that this really is an average of three months of blood? That's correct. What the what happens when your sugar, your glucose is high in your bloodstream is that this is a a, a sign of damage. Okay, the sugar in too high a level mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. actually attach itself to your hemoglobin, and that's a measure that it's attaching itself to other parts of your body, like your arteries, and yeah. clogging them up. So the hemoglobin A one C. What that is, is part of your blood, the hemoglobin that carries the oxygen, has been tagged by the, uh, the amount of sugar in your body. So the normal hemoglobin A1C level for somebody without diabetes is about 4.5 to 5.5. When it gets to 7, 8, yeah. 9, the highest I've seen is 18 in a completely uncontrolled diabetic. Sure. Now, what's great about it is that it can be a measure of how well you're controlled. If your sugar goes up to 200, but you're normally 110, 120, yeah. don't worry. What you, yeah, so what you do is get your doctor, and if 99% of doctors are great, they'll measure your A1C, and they'll say, well, last time it was 13, that's really bad. Today it's 9, Yeah, you're getting better. And I've seen people who have not had their A1C checked who aren't really attuned to it, when you show them the number and then you show them what that number corresponds to, if you have 13, 14, 15 A1C levels, you have a much higher chance of stroke, heart attack, kidney failure, blindness. And It's funny. Mm -hmm. People would rather have a heart attack than go blind, and I understand that. Kathy, go ahead. And uh, my next question was, too, the reason why uh, UNC found there was a block. I was working, right, at a home help during the time. And oh. I would just slump my feet up against the, or drop some on my feet. Yeah. And blood shooting out home around socks and things. I walk around barefooted. Did you, did you cut your out. foot to get the blood coming out? I didn't see it. I didn't feel You didn't it. see it. You didn't oh. feel it. All right. No. Kathy, all right, Kathy, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold, and I'm gonna have Doctor Weefall answer a question or two, and I'm gonna go ahead and ask you to listen on the radio to to our comments. Thank you, I appreciate it. If Kathy is diabetic, right, she could have neuropathy. Oh, that's a very important. Could she have injured her foot, not knowing? We've got about. Two minutes left in the show, but go ahead. Okay. One of the things that I think um, is really important for diabetics is yeah. to take care of your feet. Yeah. Keep them clean and have your doctor check your feet because when your diabetes has been bad enough, you can lose the nerve endings that give you the warning signal. So I, I have had a patient come in and I've looked at their feet and it's yeah. a big old gnarly red thing. Yeah. And they stepped on a needle and the needle's been in their foot for yes. God knows how long, and they haven't felt it. They didn't. They have no sensation of it. So, Kathy, definitely, if you notice that you're bleeding somewhere and you can't remember getting injured, go see your doctor. And then the other thing about diabetics is shoes. The shoes are so important. Mm-hmm. 
Because if we wear a pair of shoes that don't fit, we're not diabetic. We can tell. Right. But a lot of times with diabetics, they have no nerve endings because the nerves have been damaged. So they can't tell that the shoes don't fit right. They'll get a wear and tear on the wrong part of their foot, and it's a disaster. And a blister can really go badly quickly. Yes. Because – Yes, because they also have a decreased ability to fight off infection. Right. So, and then the other thing, it'll, it'll, the, my favorite word from Johnson County, it'll yeah. fester. It'll okay. fester. It'll yeah. fester. Okay. And by that, they won't notice it's there. They'll put on their socks. They'll put on their sweaty shoes. It'll get more infected. And so, foot, the and foot. And this really is not important. to, and not to speak ill of people from Johnson County. It's just to say that that's the vocabulary in, your foot going bad, a, yes. uh, an, an infection that smells. Uh, yeah, but I think, you know, infection, festering. but yeah. fester is a really good word. It's, <laughs> it's a, it is. Well, you know, Churchill loved common English words, and yeah. that is a common English word, fester. The circumstance where statins don't work is from uh, the um, Journal of the American Medical Association. Now, my copy, again... Sometimes gets dropped on the grass, sometimes comes in the mailbox. Headline in a real journal of medicine, statins work, but only in people who take them. Right. That's great. It's true. It's true. Now, we're going to talk. How much? We got half a minute. Half a minute. Okay. Uh, Coming up in the shows coming up are going to be the new treatments that are out there for people not just with heart disease, but I want to emphasize in the future the new treatments for diabetes. And okay. we're going to distinguish between type 1 diabetes, where you're a young person, you have no insulin, and then the type 2 diabetes, which occurs in adults. Next week on this Next show, week, Heart on Health. On this show. The preceding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action of what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.